0: Hi, I'm Rachel and this month's offering is called The Magician Uh, and there's like a subtitle which is Grief, Liberation, Desire, so I guess I'll be talking about those things in this. Um, I have a quote at the beginning of every offering and This month's one is from Rachel Pollock. None of us can know the full meaning of being alive until like Odin, we hang ourselves on the world tree. Its roots deep beyond knowledge in the sea of experience. Its branches lost among the endless stars. And so I begin. In my early teens, I had it in my head that I would become a wrestler. It became my religion. My weekly ritual started every Friday evening with Friday Night Raw, then Smackdown on Saturdays. We were poor, but I begged my family for the magazines, the badly ghost-written autobiographies and to watch the pay-per-view shows. I was convinced that I would move to America as soon as I was old enough so that I could fulfill my dreams. I wrote a letter to the American Embassy inquiring about how I could get a green card. I was practical, if somewhat delusional too I guess. Um, I even convinced my physical education teacher to do after-school cardio classes. Um, On top of that, I worked out most days before school from a page of exercises I found in a newspaper, you know, to prepare my body for my future career. (laughs) Um, I even watched Tough Enough, uh, which is basically like a reality TV show and then you get become a wrestler if you win it on uh, WWE or WWF when I was watching it so yeah I was totally ready um, I was always a shy reserved person growing up too but um, yeah when I found something I loved I went for it um, I put action to my words and thoughts very night of ones energy um, for my tarot enthusiasts um, yeah I put action to my words and thoughts as best I knew how. Um, sometimes I combine my passions and uh, yeah, really embarrassing but I used to write poetry to my favorite wrestlers. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. When I was 14, um, something happened that made me never want to trust people again. And for well over a decade, um, I held myself true to that promise. To never let anyone hurt me, ever. But also to never let anyone in. Every choice, um, every action, every moment, every retreat was another shovel full of soil over the tomb of my heart. Most days flickered by in a haze of colours, and spreadsheets in jobs i always wanted to be rescued from until it all turned into years of a life that didn't belong to me but the girl whose body turned to stone from grief i let men pick me i never picked them but for most of my life i found ways to avoid relationships wherever i could and if I was with a man, I would tell him to leave me because I wasn't worth anything. I claimed I was too damaged to be loved. If I didn't say it with words, I did so with my behaviours relentlessly, like a salesman on uncapped commission. Loneliness grew like a diabolical luminous vine tightening around, a body that had long since forgotten the texture and space of others. I was repulsed by myself and it got harder to pierce through that miserable tattered veil to reach out and breathe. I finally got around to reading Shelley Rambo's book Spirit and Trauma a week ago. She forages deep beneath the surface of our so far rigid and timid approach to textualizing and communicating suffering, to describe the middle place between life and death, rebirth and resurrection, to birth the language of remaining with wounds that haven't healed yet by being a witness and having a witness to a moment so painful that language thus far consistently falters to reference it. Offering no way out. Theologian Rambo suggests that to move beyond trauma, we must have the words to confront it in place of glossing over or pushing an event that the mind and body couldn't process in its entirety away. Rambo spent a great deal of time working with many New Orleans residents deeply affected by Hurricane Katrina, one of whom reminds us that the storm is gone, but the after the storm is always here. She explains that, in the aftermath of trauma, death and life no longer stand in opposition, instead death haunts life. I realized recently that these offerings to you are like monthly confessions. Part of my life as a writer and my work with the tarot is studying and attempting to surrender to the divine, to document, excavate, untangle, and accept suffering as a passageway towards freedom, to swim in the deepest blues, greens, Venetian reds of language, to find a way on paper through to the other side, not specifically for redemption, but to be part of the mission to uncover. If they exist, the words that can liberate lives haunted by death. I recently watched a lecture on dialogue for screenwriting from a UCLA professor and the thing I'll probably never forget was this. People don't say what they want to or mean for 90% of the conversation. I believe this is my attempt to claim back some of the 90%. Not to toil mercilessly in the fields of the past, but to reclaim the calamity and the power that surges from it. Not to wear it like armour, but to bear witness to it. To find the words that banish old ghosts, the words that let a person move on with their life and body as they wish Studies show us that the body is capable of holding onto a single violent event for years and years, and whole worlds are built around reprocessing, reliving, and avoiding living. Robert J. Lifton tells us of the collective impact of national suffering. What is unresolved about one war becomes the seeds of the next war. Fragments of an unintegrated Vietnam reappear with a new face in desert storm. Funny this month that the animal I chose before I had any idea (laughs) what I'd be writing about um, tied in pretty well with this month's confession. Maybe I'll start calling them confessions instead of offerings. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway. In Mexican legend, the Aztec god of fire and lightning, Axolotl, disguised himself as a salamander to avoid being sacrificed. I wonder what the old gods make of his refusal to go through metamorphosis. His capacity, after injury, to regenerate a lost and damaged heart, a spinal cord, a limb even parts of the brain, and leave no scars. And what does it mean to be able to breathe through the skin as they do? What would it feel like to breathe with your whole body? Come February, in the wild, Axolotl seeks out his woman shaking his tail and gyrating his lower body in hopes that she may nudge him with her nose. He leaves his sperm for her on the lake floor and she picks them up inside of her to fertilize her eggs. After two weeks they hatch and with no parental care, the larvae swim away and they take care of themselves for the rest of their lives. Sometimes they will snack on each other's limbs because for them, total regeneration is made possible for reasons scientists can't tell us yet. And I love that. (laughs) Back to Rambo, who I'm obsessed with this month, um, whose book made me see my work under a brand new sun (laughs) and so quickly. She asks us, how do we witness events in the past? How can we speak, write, communicate, and teach, given the profound shattering of language and meaning in trauma? I have a deck of cards from the 70s, the card I drew this morning was named Slay the Ego. It's got a painting of Karla Tree, the goddess in her most revered and feared form. She is an archetype of courage and her name stands for Night of Destruction. She kicks off the event that will happen before the end of the world, and the creation of a new one. I think her work is in the middle space too. To communicate standing by each other in our sufferings. The middle way, remaining, whatever it's called. I'm gonna end with a rather large fragment from a poem that inspired me a great deal this month. Coupled with Rambo's work. I'm not sure, but I think it's about remaining with something long after the night of destruction or something along those increasingly blurry lines. It's um, from Michael White and it's called Reentry. Whenever someone spoke, whenever someone started to piece a narrative together out of threads of smoke, the infused ache of what the flesh remembers I could feel the tenor of fear in everything he said the word on the tip of his tongue on the tip of my tongue i'd listen and gaze out i'd listen and gaze out over the fallow prairies half-imagined hay fields my only landscape buckled fault lines leveling off in miles of bottomland Where massive burr oaks loom like cumulus Adrift upon a plain of dust I'd stare and stare Untethered, ravenous as sheets of lightning Smouldering here and there Beneath a remote steel blue cloud bank As the room filled with acetylene sun The conduits of my nerves burned clean And this was the only cure there was. Thank you for being here. Uh, See you next month.